welcome to Science is Fun E. I'm your host, Private, a.k.a. Avery. I am 10 years old and currently in the fifth grade. Joining me today is Skipper, a.k.a. Craig, who is currently old and retired. Um, not anymore. I just got a job. Oh, right. Sorry, you've been retired for so long, you old guy. <laughs> I've only been retired for a few months. Whatever. Hey, Skip, a huge flock of birds flew over my house this morning. There had to be thousands. Where were they all going? Somewhere else. I know that, but why? Well, what is it like outside? Well, we live in the Northeast, and it's fall, so it's getting colder. The trees have all lost their leaves and stuff. Do you know what kind of birds they were? Um, no, not really. They were kind of blackish. Well, that's not a lot of info, but animals leave a place for another for many different reasons. Like what? Well, if they're the type of bird that eats insects and worms, then they're going to a place where there still are insects and worms to eat. Too cold out here in New England for the worms and insects to be active. Why can't insects and worms be active now? Because they are exothermic, and we usually call them cold-blooded. They don't really have cold blood, but they do get some of their energy from their surroundings. So? Well, you know that the Earth takes a year to go around the sun, right? What exactly does that have to do with bugs and worms? You're very confusing. (laughs) It has everything to do with bugs and worms and, and why birds fly south in the fall. This I gotta hear. Okay, wise guy, what does the earth going around the sun have to do with bugs and worms and why birds fly south in the fall and stuff? Okay, (laughs) you asked for it. See, in the fall, the northern part of the earth is tilting away from the sun, and the southern part of the earth is tilting toward the sun. Okay, why is that? Well, the earth isn't straight up and down. It's tilted at an angle, and as it goes around the sun... Sometimes the northern part points toward the sun, and they have their summer. And the southern part points away from the sun, and they have their winter. And sometimes the northern part points away from the sun, and they have their winter. And sometimes the southern part points toward the sun, and they have their summer. See, whichever part of the earth points toward the sun has its summer, and the other has its winter. What about when neither one is pointing toward or or away from the sun? Well, that's when we're in fall or spring. Okay, I thought that it was because the Earth was getting closer to the sun and was heating the Earth up. Nope. If that was the case, then all of the Earth would have summer and winter at the same time. And that is not what happens. So, I could go to the southern part of the Earth right now and it would be spring and getting warmer? Better ask your mother first, but yes. You mean I could never have winter? I could be warm all the time? That would be so awesome! (laughs) Right, I agree. And now you know why some animals go south for the winter. Bugs and worms and many other living things need the warmth from the sun to help heat their bodies up so they can fly, walk, crawl, or run. Some birds need the bugs and worms to live so they go where their food is. Some? Why else would they go? Well, food is the main driving force, but another is mating. Mating? Yeah, mating. Sometimes animals move to a safer place to have their offspring. Whales find a safe harbor away from predators that may want to eat their offspring. Fish, birds, and many land animals also travel huge distances to go to places where they mate and raise their young. What about animals that can't travel that far, like turtles, squirrels, bears, and animals like that? And some plants can't forget about the plants. All those living things and many more have lots of adaptations to help them survive in the environment they live in if they can't go to a warmer place. Like what? You see what the trees and plants have done over the past few weeks? 
Most of the trees have lost all their leaves, except for the pine trees, but they have needles, not leaves. Well, just to be clear, the pine trees do lose some of their needles each year, just not all of them at the same time, like the trees with their big fat leaves. Some plants simply drop their seeds and die. The seeds grow into new plants in the spring. Why do the trees lose their leaves? The sun is still out there. You know, it gets darker earlier in the fall and in the winter, so there's not as much sunlight energy as there is in the spring and summer. So it comes down to the fact that it's just not worth it for plants to expend energy to keep the leaves because they don't get enough energy in the form of glucose sugar from the leaves in return. So bye-bye leaves until it is worth it. What about the animals? What do they do in the winter if they can't leave? Sleep. It's called hibernation. Sleep? Like... For the entire winter? Some of them, yeah. Uh, Others become less active. Remember, there's not as much food for them was in the spring and summer. Well, if there's not enough food for the animals to eat, how do they survive? The ones that can't leave and go to another place eat as much as they can when food is plentiful and they store up what they don't use as fat or blubber. When the fall or winter comes, they use that fat for energy and the blubber to keep them warm. Animals and plants sure have figured out a lot of ways to survive. It's called adaptation, and it's not the result of animals figuring it out. Huh? Then where do the adaptations come from, then? Well, they come from evolution. You see, climates and environments are constantly changing. Those living things that have a feature that helps them survive in a new climate or environment will have babies that will also have that feature and have an easier time surviving. So over many years, most of them will end up with that feature. I think we talked about the snowshoe rabbit adaptation in a previous episode. You mean the stupid story about Harriet the rabbit? Yeah, I remember. That was actually a cool adaptation, though. From brown rabbits all the time to rabbits that are brown in the summer and white in the winter. Yay, evolution. Well, you got that right, Private. And it wasn't a stupid story. It was a cool story. Actually, it was pretty stupid the way you told it. Anyway, I did a paper for my science class on Albert Einstein. Would you like to hear it? Albert Einstein is probably the best-known scientist of all times, and he is one of my favorites. You bet I would. Okay, let me get my research papers. So, Private, what was he really like? I researched him in the Encyclopedia Britannica, and this is what I found out. Albert Einstein was born on March 14, 1879, in Ulm, Germany. He was a physicist who developed the special and general theories of relativity and won the Nobel Prize for Physics in 1921 for his explanation of the photoelectric effect. Einstein is generally considered one of the most influential physicists of the 20th century. What was he like growing up? Einstein's parents, Hermann and Pauline, were Jewish. His father sold feather beds and later ran electrochemical factory. He had one sister who was two years younger than Albert. When Albert was five, he played with a compass and wondered what the invisible forces were that were moving the needle. At the age of 12, he discovered a book of geometry, which he called his sacred little geometry book. Could you explain what geometry is? Um, sure. Geometry is the part of mathematics that deals with the shape of individual objects. It is one of the oldest branches of mathematics, and it came about because of problems we found in measuring land features called surveying, and its name comes from two Greek words that mean earth measurement. Cool. Einstein did not get along with the German-style school system that was not open to originality and creativity. One teacher even told him that he would never amount to anything. What? 
Einstein not amount to anything? Ha! That teacher sure got it wrong. A friend, Max Ptolemy, introduced Einstein's higher mathematics and philosophy. And when Einstein was 16, he read a series of science books in which the author imagined himself riding alongside electricity, traveling inside a telegraph wire. Einstein then asked himself the question that would dominate his thinking for the next 10 years. What would a light beam look if you could run alongside it? I wonder what would it look like? Well, Einstein thought that if light were a wave, then the light beam should appear stationary, like a frozen wave of water. Even though he was only 16, he knew that stationary light waves had never been seen, so there was a paradox. A paradox? Like, uh, twin doctors? Not funny, Skipper. It's something that seems to not make sense, and yet is true. Like, whenever you say something... Hey, that's not funny, Private. No, it's very funny, Skip. Moving on, moving on. In 1894, his father's company went out of business, and he had to move to Milan, Italy, to work with a relative. Albert was left at a boarding house in Munich, Germany, where he was expected to finish his education. But Albert was all alone, miserable, and angry, because German boys at 16 had to join the military. You see, even at that young an age, Albert was a pacifist, so he ran away and went to Milan, much to the dismay of his parents. Why weren't they happy to see him? His parents knew that as a school dropout, military draft dodger, and with no skills to get a job, his future did not look good. Wait, he was a dropout and a draft dodger? Wow, I did not know that. Albert applied to the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, but without a high school diploma, he had trouble passing the entrance exam. He did really well in mathematics and physics, but failed biology, chemistry, and the French sections. Because of his high math and physics scores, the school said it would allow him if he finished high school, which he finally did in 1896. It was then that he decided not to be a German citizen and met his future wife, Meliva Marek, a fellow physics student from Serbia. After graduating from the Institute of Technology, Einstein had a big problem. <laughs> what do you mean, a big problem? He graduated. What could be a problem? Because he studied advanced subjects on his own, he often cut classes. This made some professors very angry, especially Professor Weber. Unfortunately, Einstein asked Weber for a letter of recommendation. And because of his poor recommendation, Einstein was turned down for every academic position that he applied to. Poor guy. Mean professor. What else could go wrong? Over the objections of his parents, who did not approve of Maliva, and without being married, Albert and Maliva had a child, but no one knows what happened to her. In 1902, Einstein was desperate and unemployed. He couldn't marry Maliva without money, so he took jobs tutoring children, but he was fired from even those jobs. How did he get by? Later that year, the father of a friend recommended him for a job as a clerk in the Swiss patent office. And then his father became ill, but before he died, he gave his blessing for Albert to marry Maliva. Einstein would always be sad, thinking that his father was a failure. Wait, Albert's father's businesses were always going under, too. Can it, Skipper? So for the first time, and with his new job and steady income... Albert felt confident enough to marry Maliva, which he did on January 6, 1903. They had two more children, Hans and Edward. For Albert, his job at the patent office was a blessing. He would quickly finish analyzing patent applications, which left him time to daydream about the vision he had when he was 16. What would happen if he raced alongside a light beam? And now with a college education, he had a lot more knowledge to apply to that problem. 
Yeah, when he was at college, he studied light and what it was like, and he discovered that the speed of light remains the same no matter how fast one moves. Wait, didn't Isaac Newton say that couldn't happen? Yeah, and that led Einstein to formulate his principle of relativity. The speed of light is constant in any frame of reference. What is the principle of relativity again? Skip, the principle of relativity says that light always goes the same speed, no matter how fast you're going toward or away from it. Huh? Wait, if I'm in a car going 50 kilometers per hour and turn on the lights, then the light should be going the speed of light plus 50 kilometers per hour, right? No, the speed of light never changes. Skip, you're not paying attention! Sheesh, old people. Hey, this is heavy stuff, and stop picking on old people. I'm not picking on all old people, just you. It's fun. Okay, fine. I can take it. So what happened next? Well, in 1905, he published four papers that would change physics forever, but the papers were ignored by the scientists at the time. They ignored his papers? What happened to change their minds? A famous physicist named Max Planck, who was the founder of the quantum theory, became interested in Einstein's ideas, and soon experiments were done that found that the theories he wrote about in his papers were true. Soon many universities were interested in him, and he took a position as director of the Institute for Physics at the University in Berlin in 1913. It seems that finally things are looking up for him. But wait, there's more. Although he was successful, his marriage fell apart, and he and Maliva divorced in 1919. Just when you thought it was getting better. Skip, World War I was also a terrible time for him. He was a lifelong pacifist, and he opposed Germany's entry into that war. Disgusted, he called nationalism the measles of mankind. Hey, didn't President Trump just say he was a nationalist? This is a kid's podcast, not a politics podcast. Moving on. Anyway, after World War I was over and the Nazis took over Germany, although Einstein became famous all over the world, in Germany his theories created a backlash. A backlash? What's the complaint about his theories? They were being proven by experiments. The Nazis targeted relativity, calling it Jewish physics, and they held conferences and book burnings to denounce Einstein and his theories. Anyone who burns books is an idiot! Skip! The Nazis even got other physicists and scientists to put Einstein and his theories down just because he was Jewish! Wow, it seems like we're going through this all over again with global warming. How did Einstein deal with it? When he was asked to talk about... All the scientists who were putting his theory of relativity down, he said, To defeat relativity, you didn't need the word of a hundred scientists. You just needed one fact. Well, it is global warming all over again. Maybe we should be looking at the facts and not the words of politicians. So what happened? In 1932, a Nazi organization published a magazine with Einstein's picture. In the caption, not yet hanged on the cover, and they put a price on his head. So in December, Einstein decided to leave Germany forever. He believed that the threat of the Nazi aggression was so great that he even disagreed with his pacifist friends and said that violence was justified if you're defending yourself against their violence. So what happened to him? Where did he go? Einstein began working at the Institute for Advanced Study at Princeton, New Jersey, which was attracting scientists from around the world. Phew, that was close. Now he's safe, and all is well. No, Skip. During the late 1930s, physicists began to consider whether his equation E equals mc squared might make an atomic bomb possible. 
In July 1939, a physicist named Leo Sisselard convinced Einstein that he should send a letter to President Roosevelt urging him to develop an atomic bomb first, before the Nazis did. Roosevelt wrote back and said he had organized a committee to study the issue. During World War II, the physicists were sent to the desert of Los Alamos, New Mexico, to develop the first atomic bomb, and Einstein was never asked to go because the government feared his association with peace and socialist organizations. Instead, he helped the Navy evaluate designs for future weapon systems. Einstein also helped the war effort by auctioning off priceless personal manuscripts, including a handwritten copy of his 1905 paper on special relativity, which was sold for $6.5 million. It is now located in the Library of Congress. So, what happened to his theories since World War II ended? In 1993, a Nobel Prize was awarded to the discoverers of gravitation waves, which Einstein predicted. In 1995, a Nobel Prize was awarded to the discoverers of a form of matter that can occur at extremely low temperatures. Black holes predicted by Einstein's theories now number in the thousands, and many leading physicists are trying to finish Einstein's ultimate dream of a theory of everything. Wow, what a legacy. Thank you, Einstein. You got that right, Skipper. Yay, science. Got that right. Well, that's our podcast for this week. Come back next time for another episode of Science is Fun E. Oh, and don't forget to visit our website at www.scienceisfune.com or listen on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, or just search for Science is Fun E in the podcast section of your favorite podcast app. To suggest possible topics for upcoming episodes, email topics at scienceisfunee.com. And remember, you could win a Science is Fun E t-shirt if you send in a suggestion and we use it in an episode. You can email me at private at scienceisfune.com or skipper at scienceisfune.com. I'm private, a.k.a. Avery Adams, hoping you have a great week. TTFN.